Hello, everybody, and welcome to Stark Raven Mad, a Game of Thrones podcast. I'm the host, Mike Marbach, and today I am joined via phone, literally phoning it in by David Danella. Hi, David. Hi, Mike. Uh, Is that the first time you've made that phoning it in joke? Uh, I think so. It's great. Yeah, because I've been serious about it every other time. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And also, in person, uh, Katie Swerko. Hi. How's it going? It's good. Uh, Katie, it's been a while. It's been like two or three seasons, yeah. Since uh, you've been on the podcast. But here we are for our midweek episode, which is technically... Technically, our 100th because I, I reran the numbers, uh, and although last week was our one or yeah Sunday was our 100th, this one is technically our 100th episode episode covering Game of Thrones. Um, I want to say a couple quick things about it because last Sunday when we did our podcast, it was late. Mm-hmm. We had just got done. We just won the Battle of Winterfell, uh, and uh, we do the podcast immediately following, so we didn't get to say too much about that. And I think it's a pretty it's momentous. Yeah. We are 100 episodes old. Um, David, before I say some thank yous, do you have any uh, any thoughts, anything you want to say? Um, yeah. I mean, I um, I think at this point uh, this has been expressed that I, uh, you know, I came into the podcast and it was already a thing that existed. And I, uh, I lied about my relationship to Game of Thrones <laughs> because I just wanted to be on the podcast so badly. <laughs> um, and... I think yeah, uh, we uh, we collected resumes, and you clearly said that you were you read all the books. Uh, yes, that part <laughs> was true. Yeah, and that you loved the show, and that I loved the show. That part was a push <laughs> because <laughs> when I started doing the show, I had not watched the show, yeah. <laughs> but, but I since have mostly. I still haven't seen seasons one and two, but uh, it's on my to do list. Um, I've watched a lot of YouTube clips of one and two. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. You were um, saying before I interrupted. But what I was going to say is that I uh, just, um, I, I feel like this show over the course of the last five years has really, you know, evolved from, uh, I don't know what it's evolved from, <laughs> and I don't know what it's evolved to, but it's certainly changed. And I would dare to say that it's changed for the better um and i'm i'm proud of the episodes that we put out i am too uh i think that we've uh, we've done some really fun fun things uh we've gotten a lot of reviews which we'll talk about um a few of them uh at least a couple that we've that we've gotten particularly mm-hmm. particularly our winner uh of the rate and review contest uh yes. that people people really seem to enjoy the stuff that we have to say, uh, and even though we may argue on the podcast, we do it all out of a love for each other and a love for the show, the the source material. Mostly. That, yeah, mostly the show um, <laughs> that we're covering. Uh, so I just want to say a few quick thank yous to people that have done the podcast multiple times, like many times uh, regular panelists uh, over the uh, over the years. Uh, uh, kicking it off is Andrew Stanton. Uh, mm. Andrew Stanton is uh, the person that I, the first person I talked to about doing this podcast, and I think if I'm not mistaken, the first episode is basically just him and I, uh, and that wasn't the only one that was like that. Uh, and he was uh, integral to the um, formation of the podcast, and also helping me know what the hell I was talking about as the yeah. show, as the show went on. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if there's, you know, if there is one way to characterize the early episodes of the podcast, it was literally uh, four people sitting around a table <laughs> explaining things to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was important to me to have somebody on the show that knew what they were talking about. But I didn't realize that I would be the only person that didn't. Uh, uh, and that's, uh, that kind of evolved too, especially as the show has outpaced the, the books. Um, but yeah, anywho, uh, Corinne Wells, uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic panelist. Uh, hope to have her back. Uh, Kevin Pettit. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Kevin Pettit, uh, Jessica Ross, Caitlin Thompson, all fantastic. Uh, and on the West coast with you, uh, Jessica Ross and Caitlin Thompson, uh, along with Andrew as well. Uh, yeah. Mallory Rhodes, Lizzie Spellman, uh, somebody who is, because now we're getting into people that continue to do the podcast, uh, Rob Alessiani, as we know, uh, Mr. Silent credits himself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Peter Baelish will have a brush with death. Jeez. Uh, Rob Alessiani, uh, Frank Farrell, uh, Hunter Steffes, Whitney Rumble, Caitlin Corkery, uh, and of course, you, David Danella. Uh, thank you. No, of course you, Mike. I mean, truly. And of course you, Katie. Um, I'm also. But uh, <laughs> of course you, Mike, uh, because truly I don't think anybody else uh, in our circle would have would have had the thought, hey, uh, let's let's talk about this thing that we're watching uh, in hopes that other people will be interested in our often Philadelphia specific, uh, often incoherent, often interrupty rambles uh, about this show that has, uh, you know, that literally has professionals recapping it. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. Uh, I would. Only you had the vision yeah. To put this together. <laughs> yes, only I and at least 75 other people doing Game of Thrones podcasts. Um, yeah. Uh, but I would put ours up against any of them, uh, as far, especially as far as the, the humor of things goes, because we have a blast. Uh, also, special thanks to the Philly Podcast Festival, where we performed several times. Uh, Whitney Rumble for doing the fantastic uh, Game of Thrones art. Uh, and Whitney is also working on some uh, poster versions of that art uh, so that we can send Ooh, out... which the, one? Uh, of the, the main Stark Raven Mag graphic. Uh, ah. So that we can send that Do you know who came people. up with that? Uh, who came up with the graphic? Yeah. Uh, I gave the design ideas uh, to Whitney, and then she made it a reality because I can't do anything when it comes to that stuff. Is that how it happened? Yeah. I remember it being me saying we should do a crow calling the podcast symbol out, the RSS symbol. Okay, that's incorrect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Did I contribute nothing to this podcast the entire time? Uh, No, you uh, interrupt (laughs) more often than anybody. Um, Oh, I contribute interruptions. (laughs) I'm just kidding. David, I don't think we'd be here without you. Uh, no, 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 no. Fred Brown for the intro music that we that we've used over the uh, the last few seasons. And do you uh, know who came up with that? Uh, I was gonna say Fred, but 
I'm going to I'm going to backtrack a little bit and I'm going to say you, David. Yeah, I uh, I told you to tell Fred to make a theme song that went like do 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 do. Yeah. And I'd say it turned out pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Uh, and also uh, all of our special guests, uh, such as Katie sitting right here, uh, and you all for listening, uh, even though some of you probably fast-forwarded past all of this uh, to, get to, <laughs> <laughs> to get to us actually talking about the show, which uh, you're going to want to forward again for another minute or so as I talk about the contest winners, uh, or the contest winner. Uh, the winner, we did a rate and review contest. If you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and rate and review us uh, favorably. Yeah, smash that rate and review yeah, button. preferably favorably. Uh, what I did was uh, fr- from the time we started the contest to uh, up until the start of uh, episode three, I assigned them a number and then put the numbers into a, a randomizer uh, or a did a randomizer number thing with those um, uh, with that range uh, and hit that three times. Uh, and that is uh, JJU3, John from Oak Ridge, uh, who says, light yet informative air in this podca- podcast with a funny roundtable dynamic. So John from Oak Ridge, email us at srmpodcast at watercooler.com and we will work out a pretty sweet prize. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll work you. it out with you. <laughs> we never... We'll negotiate uh, a prize. Yeah, that we never <laughs> go further with this, uh, uh, or that we never like plan the prize. We're just like, yeah, come here. Uh, people get what they want to get. Uh, yeah, they don't. We're not saying, hey, hey, here's this. Uh, you have to take it. And people are like, oh, great socks. Um, just what I wanted. No, they get to pick what they pick what they get, and I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, John from Oak Ridge, if you want us to pick a prize for you uh, and leave it in uh, our hands, I'm happy to do so. <laughs> uh, actually, we'll let David pick it because he's got something to say about it. Uh, and that is that is it for the uh, the bits of business. All right, let's talk about the show. Uh, let's yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so this is our second thoughts podcast. Uh, I'm having second thoughts about this podcast. Um, I'm not. Uh, so I want to hear what people have to say about the long night. Uh, it's been a couple of days yeah. when we do our first recording. It's minutes removed. Uh, people may have taken time to read some think pieces. Maybe they wrote some think pieces, um, read some statuses, viewed some memes, some think statuses, some think, think memes, <laughs> yeah. some stink, uh, statuses, uh, <laughs> So I'll start with you, David. Uh, no, we should start with Katie because I was on the episode. All right, David. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, Katie, what, what have you got to say? Um, I thought it was a really good episode, but it didn't kind of give me that emotion, that emotions that I was expecting to feel. Like I had gone into this episode thinking, oh, cool, I'm just going to cry from for an hour and a half. And I didn't. But it doesn't mean it was a bad episode. I think it was just like they knocked out people who were pretty obvious rather mm-hmm. than giving me like a... I was I, I was spending the whole episode just basically like an elementary school teacher on a field trip doing a head count. Just like <laughs> yelling like yeah. where... It was basically... It would start with like where are Sam and Gilly? If I get visual on them, then I'm fine. And then I mm-hmm. go down a list. But I wasn't super surprised. 
I wasn't super surprised by anyone who died, mm-hmm. and I was honestly su- I thought it was gonna be like Tormund or Davos who was gonna yeah. who was gonna go. Yeah, Lyanna was cool, but it it just if you're gonna I feel like if you're gonna do the episode where it feels like it's being advertised that everyone's gonna get taken out, then like take out someone who really has stakes. Yeah, yeah, David. Yeah, um, you know I am. I am torn on this episode uh, mm-hmm. because I, I mean, Katie, I agree with you a hundred percent. I also like uh, just kind of viscerally enjoyed it while also like in the, in the rethinking of it. And like, and we'll get into this with some of the articles, the think pieces, <laughs> um, stink pieces while also feeling like, Oh, like, this episode is in some ways a very good encapsulation of everything of all the troubles that game of Thrones has encountered since they stopped having the books as source material. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but I would also, I also got to say to the people who are, to the people who are like, upset it's like yo like come on we're at it it's like it's still it's a tv show yeah right um and i I guess i would liken it all to like what we're watching now is when you like we're going to rolling stones concerts in 2019 (laughs) and we're seeing and it's like damn these guys still kind of look like mick and keith and they're kind of moving around the stage (laughs) and like every now and then you see like some flashes of what must have been an amazing experience in the, uh, you know, in the sixties and seventies, mm-hmm. but also it's like, you're watching a bunch of geriatrics, uh, you know, waddle around as facades of their former selves. And I think that's what, honestly, the last couple seasons of game of Thrones have become is we're watching the, uh, we're watching our mascots, uh, finish out the show instead of Just the characters that we saw at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, good With that said, David. boy, was it fun. Boy, was it a, well, we yeah. all got up and cheered when yeah. Arya stabbed the Night King. Sure. Yeah. I, I was also in this place where on Sunday I watched Endgame and then I watched, Me too. and then I watched, um, the long, the long night. And I thought that, they were both very good for what they were, but without spoilers, Endgame did it better. Like, they kind of did that. They had all of the kind of emotional moments and the swells and the the oh shit moments. And it just, it did it, they did it better and they did it smarter. Yeah. And, but honestly, I'm also glad that the Night King's out of the way so that I can go back to like... Mm-hmm everyone being shitty politically yeah exactly um for me i uh i'm gonna just start with the the, the positive mm-hmm. uh and that basically ends with what you said david a really fun episode like yeah, this was, it was a so fun a pretty fun well done super well directed overall uh although many people were complaining and i was one of them that it was very hard to see some things that it was very yeah. dark and oh yeah my tv is two years old uh, but come on, um, 
it was uh, super fun, and yeah, everybody was cheering uh, those uh, those moments. But in the when you l- zoom out of that episode and you start seeing everything that's come before mm-hmm. and the things that should be happening after, uh, I get more and more. I feel a little bit more empty <laughs> with uh, what we what we saw. Um, I do understand a lot of the foreshadowing uh, with uh, with Arya doing what she did, and I can kind of buy into that. But I don't know. Uh, I just am looking. I am looking so forward to the books uh, as they uh, Winds of Winter as it eventually comes out. Maybe. Um, yeah. So you can listen to the audio. So I can listen to the audiobook. book. Uh, and uh, if you listen to the audiobook, I used to have a, we used to, in our early episodes, advertise a link. Which Audible.com. Audible.com yeah. slash StarkravenMad or SRM Podcast. I don't remember. Anywho, uh, so that I can listen to it. And uh, although it won't be Roy Dotrice this time because he has passed on. Um, uh, because I, I have to think that it's going to be very different uh, in terms yeah. of how this plays out. Because I don't see Arya being the one... Uh, to uh, take take it out because it, it just all seems so rushed. Uh, and to your point, Katie, I think that I do think that Endgame did it things better. Mm-hmm. But Endgame was also basically a five hour movie, right? Uh, I agree. Or five and a half hour movie where they kind of squeezed this into an hour and a half, and maybe would have mm-hmm. been served better by doing it over two episodes. Um, uh, but yeah, still, still. But I mean, but but but, but uh, Mike, that that last argument falls down a little bit when you consider the fact that Game of Thrones is. I mean, you know, I mean, look, it's it's twenty two movies versus eight seasons of television, which I bet roughly adds up to the same amount of minutes total. Yeah, sure. I mean, or actually, Game of Thrones probably has a, a, a higher advantage. I don't know. It's hard. It's it's hard to say for sure. But they, they're they're. I think they're more comparable than uh, just comparing one episode to one movie. I mean, what I'm comparing the, the, the basic the, the the real argument is that Avengers had an opportunity to wrap up a gigantic arc, and they did it in a more satisfying way. Right. Yeah. Than Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. They could have spent two episodes on this on this thing they had those options and they did not use them yeah um yeah i mean that's basically what i'm comparing is the way that they handled some of these deaths uh, and yeah it's i don't know it's i don't understand why this was first like i i, I guess because cersei is the real enemy but you have the yeah. battle for humanity how how do how do you and and I'm sure they will uh, and I have high hopes that they that they do but like how do you heighten this how do you go from uh, fighting for the survival of all humans to fighting for a chair? Well, I think it, you know I think it's funny because I think we've revealed ourselves as an audience to be not so different from the people of Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> In the it sense that the whole we, and we'll get into this in the article roundup, but, you know, we've been watching this show for, what, almost 10 years now. Yeah. yeah. And one of the overall themes of the show has been that 
people are so short-sighted and they're so obsessed with just the things that they want and the things that will make their lives better and the things that they enjoy that they can't even uh, get it together to deal with the real and uncomfortable truth and the threats of the uncomfortable truth and addressing those uncomfortable truths, which in Game of Thrones, you know, the, the biggest uh, the the biggest symbol of that is the White Walkers. Yeah. Literally, you're facing a, a an army, an unstoppable army that will kill everyone unless everyone works together. And people are more interested in what religion is common and, you know, uh, can we get a loan from the Iron Bank of Bravos? You know, things that ultimately don't matter. And we as viewers of the show, uh, we're like, huh, we, uh, <laughs> you know, we care about the things we care about the big things. And then we're kind of like and then everybody to a T was pretty much like, oh, you know what? Like, we're so glad that this show uh, had, uh, just wiped away the big threat in episode three of the final season so that we have three episodes now to deal with the nice petty intrigue of court again. I'm not one of them. What? I, I, I am. I, I'm not, I'm not one of them. Uh, I would have much rather, and I saw this, we talked about this last season when we were kind of doing our predictions and, and just talking things up and how do we think they're going to handle this? Uh, and I was one of the people that thought that the battle for, uh, Humanity, the, the the Night King battle would be the, the last thing. Uh, and I was wrong. I was wrong, David. For once. Well, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that that entire point I made got distilled down to, well, that's not who I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't like the point, I guess. Um <laughs> Uh, what about the, again, uh, we're, we're talking about this, but I do want to stress, I did like the episode. I'm just thinking in yeah. terms of how everything's been built up before and how things move forward after. I think it was a fantastic 82 minutes or whatever it was of, of television. Oh yeah, it was super compelling. Yeah. It was a very compelling piece of TV, but I guess in comparison to the other, I would say that this is a... An episode nine within this season. There's probably going to be another episode nine or episode episode nine moments within yeah. the season. But compared to other episode nine moments, this this didn't I I didn't feel as like like at a ten the whole time as I did with like the Battle of the Bastards or with the Red Wedding. It mm-hmm. it kind of felt like here's another big battle, and there were moments where I was just like what yeah but overall the fact that it kind of wrapped up so cleanly and i kind of like it when it's a little sloppy like Mm -hmm. when when not everything gets wrapped up so cleanly it felt like um i don't know if you said this in the podcast this week it felt like helm's deep ranked up two notches Mm -hmm. but then at the end you're like oh yeah gandalf's gonna still show up yeah and he's gonna look great Mm -hmm. you know yeah we definitely compared it to Helm's Deep. I can't, I don't know if we went, we got that last part out, but um, but I think that that's totally true. And I and I think that and to to speak further to Katie's point, your point about um, an episode nine situation is 
so many of the great memorable episodes of Game of Thrones end with this kind of like, oh my God, what now? Yeah. Uh, thing. And you would think in the war between the living and the dead, the outcome would be, oh my God, what now? But it's not at all. Yeah. It's like, oh, what, what, we're, what are we going to do now that Jorah Mormont's dead? What are we going to do now that Theon's dead? I, I'm like, I feel like the nothing has changed except the the existential threat that we've spent the entire show worrying about is gone. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's still a, oh my God, what are they going to do now? But it's at a four as opposed to all all of the Stark encampments basically been mur- slaughtered. So what are they going to do now? And that feels more to like a nine and a half. Where this is at like yeah. a four of like, okay, well, they don't have an army now. And how are they going to beat the Golden Company? And Cersei's just chugging wine and, and dick, basically. <laughs> like, in, in, yeah. like what are, what are, how are they going to beat her, you know? Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. uh, we're going to talk a little bit when we do our mini locks and predictions part of things uh, about how she may get beaten. Uh, or how she may win. Yeah. Um, I do have a question just related to this previous episode. Uh, how did you feel specifically about Arya being the one to kill the Night King? Um, both within the episode mm-hmm. and how it was built up uh, and expanding that outward. I personally loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I've been in the last couple years... I've been kind of examining how, in my life as a kid, like how little and how few um, heroes who were women existed in my life. Mm. And now, like in the last couple of years, it's just like, it's Ray, it's <laughs> yeah. Captain Marvel, it's Miss mm. Marvel, it's like all these like really cool women. And I was just yeah. like, yes, like mm. uh, Arya is... A woman is the person who defeats the clunky metaphor for climate change. Like, yeah. please, thank you. <laughs> yeah. David? Um, I, I'm fine. With, I mean, I'm fine with it. Uh, I wish that... I, I, I wonder if, like, is this the one time that a prophecy isn't true? Or, or, or does a prophecy not matter? Yeah. Um, but, like, that notwithstanding, like... Um, I think it's actually great that we spent, you know, again, we spent 10 years being like, oh, great. Arya's going to be this turn into this little assassin who uh, takes out, you know, all these like petty kings and like does all that stuff. And it's like, actually, no, Arya like stepped up to the plate during the most important fight mm-hmm. and got yeah. shit done yeah. uh, as opposed to just being the person who just, you know. Uh, poisons a bunch of people's punch bowls and whatever. <laughs> Stabs Cersei in the dark. Yes. Yeah. Did you say in the dark? Yeah. Oh, okay, I heard in the dunk. <laughs> <laughs> Stabs her right in the butt. <laughs> I, that too. Yeah. I, especially within the episode, uh, I loved the the whole Arya moment. Um, the, the surprise of it. Um now, when you watch the behind-the-scenes things, they do say that they kind of did it for the shock of things, uh, more or mm-hmm. less. 
Yeah. Um, even though that they do also say that they've kind of foreshadowed and saw it um, laid different things over the mm-hmm. seasons to try and make that uh, to kind of lay the case, to lay the groundwork for it. Um, uh, but again, also ex- zooming outwards uh, of uh, zooming out of it, I, I am a little bit annoyed at things, but it, that could just be me annoyed because I was wrong. Uh, yeah. so there's, there's, there's that, uh, cause yeah, like you said, David, there's the prophecy things and is the prophecy just wrong? What about all those moments where John was, you know, pretty much face to face with the Night King? We didn't get a fight with him and the Night King, um, even a sword battle. Uh, we didn't get any of those things. Uh, and is, if she is, if Arya is the princess uh, or the prince who was promised, um, was everything it would be, I guess it would mean that everything was done in service to get her to that moment. Um, Bran giving her the blade, um, uh, Melisandre saying that you will shut blue eyes as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Beric Dondarrion being brought back six times and the seventh to, uh, you know, dying on the seventh life to, um, uh, save her. John being brought back would have yeah. to be a part of that too. And it's all basically just to buy her time. Uh, so yeah. if, so it could still be true. Which feels a little limp, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I, just, I mean, if, I if, I think if, it's cool. <laughs> if Melisandre, like Melisandre's whole, I will die before dawn thing. Oh, that's, she will kill uh, herself before dawn. What'd you say? She will kill herself before dawn. That's what she sort of said. Yeah, I will die before. It, and she also like dies. Well, in front of the dawn, like rather than like, <laughs> yeah, it's. I think that's really. I think it's cool. I, I just think. I mean, here's my thing. It's like when somebody says, uh, "I'll be dead before the dawn." Doesn't it sound like she will die in some kind of sacrifice? Like she will have to. Uh, that's something she will do. Will expend her life energy, whether that's taking yeah. a dagger for somebody or you know, exploding herself or something. I think that uh, my read of that situation, because like, yeah, it does appear, and I'm half joking, that she just went out and she she got a chill. Um, uh, she got hypothermia. Uh, died of frostbite, whatever. Um, but I think that the what we're supposed to take away from that is that her expending all of that, because she, she apparently went to Volantis and uh, got some power-ups, uh, and came back and was able to do some a, a lot of things. Uh, so you saw her struggling uh, and working super hard to light the uh, trenches on fire, to light the Dothraki swords on fire. Um, so there had to have been a lot of life energy, and she felt that you know this is this is the end for me. So it wasn't necessarily like uh, walking out and killing herself. And um, I think she she knew that those things would take it out of her. I guess, are you, are you saying, David, that you wish it, like, that she hadn't just taken off a necklace and, like, fallen into the snow? Yeah, I mean, it feels like, it just felt like such a big proclamation that, uh, that, that for it to, uh, that for it to just end with, with her, like, you know, being tuckered out and throwing her her, you know, her necklace away. Yeah. You know, it would have been better if she had just, if she had just told Davos to kill her tomorrow and then done that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do love that Davos was 
still ready. He he was like drawing his sword when he saw her fall. Uh, he was still ready, like after her lighting the trenches and buying some time and uh, lighting up the Dothraki so that the viewers could see what was happening for a little while. Um, uh, that he was still ready to execute her right then and there. Yeah, I think if you uh, I think oh go ahead, Kate. If you think about it, like. I'm thinking about now that I'm like listening to both of you talk and I think it's also just a moment of pure agency. Like she has complete control over the situation in a, in a sit like same with Aria, like Aria in a way had a lot of control over a lot of what happened. And in a society where like women don't have much. So like the fact that she was like, this is how I'm going to go out is like, I, I think that's interesting. Hmm. That she was just, like cool. This is it. Yeah. I. There might have been a time where I would grant that, but I feel like the way that they have been portraying things on this show has been so lazy lately that that might be a fun auxiliary effect of what mm. happened, but I just don't i don't see that as the conscious and it might as, as it might not it be happened. yeah um for me anything because i think if i think if they wanted i think if they if they, if they i think the, the way that they do things if they were like yeah this was just like i mean and they, they you know they you know they talk about everything like it's this incredible um achievement that they've done they're always like oh yeah you know we really knew that we needed to, uh, yeah. you know, make this have an emotional impact. But I, I think if they were like, yeah, this was a person with like, you know, just complete agency um, choosing the way she goes out. Uh, I feel like they would have like I feel like she would have exploded into a million phoenixes that <laughs> flew in opposite directions uh, or something. I don't know. I mean. It's also the thing of like not all deaths are exciting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that again, that's fair. That's totally fair. But when you it, when you it, when the first thing you do in a t in an episode of TV is say, uh, "I'll be dead before dawn," something that she has repeatedly said. She said, "You know, I ha- I have to come back to wet Winterfell to die." Yeah. All this mm-hmm. when you when you when you build up your death that much. I feel like it should I feel like the circumstances leading up to that death should feel a little bit more mm-hmm. meaningful. Yeah. Especially since, a little bit more meaty. Yeah, cuz when she was lighting the trenches on fire, she was very nearly killed in the in the act of doing so. Yeah, that would have uh, been a good spot. So if and she didn't do anything for the rest of these, well that's not true. She kind of helped nudge Arya along the way. Um uh, hey, by the way, wink, wink, you, this is your job. This is what you're supposed to do, Arya. Um, so she did come in handy there, of course. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree, David. There, there could have been something a little better about it. They did say in the uh, featurette uh, that, you know, they were basically like, look, we can't give everybody a highlighted death. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, but you, so, so, so you can't give the character who is responsible for Renly's death, who's responsible for Stannis burning his daughter, who's responsible for reviving Jon Snow. I mean, uh, uh, Melisandre 
is a major, major, major character in this Game of Thrones show. Yeah. And it'd be like, listen, all right, you know, you know, not everybody, not everybody gets what they want for Christmas is, you know, that's the response you give to like Podrick dying. Yeah. Uh, who I guarantee if he dies, we'll have more, we'll have a more built up death than him. Yeah. yeah. Than the Melisandre. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see that. And it kind of almost would have been more Game of Thronesy, if I may, uh, to have Davos execute her at the end. Uh, and not have that line of, um, you won't have to execute me, I'll be dead before dawn. To just leave it as, uh, I will come back and die in this land. Um, and her facing the consequences of her actions rather than choosing to kind of escape. Uh, well, I don't think I needed to see Davos kill her. I'm I saying definitely I wanted and needed to see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to move on a little you, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, the writers, uh, D&D, uh, have mm-hmm. said that we couldn't give the every character a major death. Um, so I guess it was just the, the case that we're going to leave a lot of people alive, alive to die in the next three episodes. So uh, the people that did die, uh, the confirmed deaths, well, most of the confirmed deaths are uh, Quono, I think his name is, or Kono. Uh, he is one of the featured Dothraki um, David, you, uh, blew him off last time I brought him up. Uh, anything you want to say this time? <laughs> Who? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Alice Karstark, uh, is believed dead. Uh, Alice Karstark was made, uh, lady of, um, uh, the Carhold, uh, and, uh, she was there helping to protect Bran and is presumed dead. Um, Ed, Dolores Ed, uh, Talat, Eddard Talat. Uh, of the Night's Watch, Lord Commander, I believe he was. Uh, although, was that officially named? Was they officially named him Lord Commander? I don't think there was ever a ceremony to name him Lord Commander, but there was a moment where he had to, where he had to make a call that was for the Lord Commander because he was like, "Well, why isn't anyone shutting the gate?" And he was like, yeah. "Oh shit, I have to be the one to announce to <laughs> shut the gate." Like, yeah. I think that was last season. Yeah, uh, and uh, the wall fell on his watch. Um, well done, Ed Tullet. Um, can't blame you for that. Uh, Lord Beric Dondarrion, uh, mm-hmm. Lady Lyanna Mormont, Theon Greyjoy, Sir Jorah Mormont. Uh, as we pointed out, uh, we have lost, uh, Old Bear. Uh, we've lost a Little Bear. We've lost Jorah Mormont. And we lost, uh, Mage Mormont was believed killed, uh, in the Battle of the, uh, War of the Five Kings, uh, with Rob. Uh, and of course, as we mentioned, Melisandre and the Night King. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that we thought we're, we were unsure about on Sunday, uh, since the teaser has been revealed and Freeze Frame exists, uh, it seems Ghost is out there. Yeah, it we seems haven't Ghost seen is Ghost alive. Uh, um, and Rhaegal. Uh, so it seems Rhaegal is, uh, is alive and well. Um, so there's that. And also in that teaser... Because uh, of course they're not going to give away anything major. Um, although I would argue that like showing that Rhaegal is alive is a fairly big deal. Um, they they do show people about to burn bodies, David. Uh, so I think they may 
do a, a time jump and almost do like you were saying on the podcast last Sunday where it's like Tormund shoving a, a shovel into the ground and just going, well, that's the last of them. <laughs> uh, and Winterfell's back in business. Yeah. Uh, anything about the uh, the deaths that, that were brought up? Anything more? Because if not, we'll move on to David's All-American Newsstand. Um, I really liked... I mean, this this is House Mormont's done, right? Mm. Like House Mormont's been yeah. completely wiped out. Mormont's uh, and Carstark and Carstark, yeah. At least as we know them. I just, be. I also didn't. I was convinced that the giant was one one, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was Krog. Like they they referenced his name. Like we all should know what it was in the um that forty minute like uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. You're like, oh, and Krog. I was like. No, oh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know who Croc is. Yeah. Like, they—they they are the masters of that because I was like, Alice Carstark was there, and then it's like, oh, she was one of the the, the Arrow people. Yeah, in that dark scene sleep. where there was a bunch of people with hats on. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've showed her in the first couple episodes this season, uh, and they kind of, she didn't have any lines this season. I don't. I don't doubt that they showed her. What I'm saying is, for me to know that Alice Carstark died in that fight. She would have had to have been wearing a Christmas lights that spelled out "I'm Alice Carstark." <laughs> yeah, in a Stranger Things kind of way. Yeah, that well, it would be the same as them being like, "Oh yeah, the the fossil, the green apple and the red apple fossils were there." You just have to look like in the back corner of the of the third scene of yeah. the fifth fight. It's like I I'm glad that the red apple and green apple fossils were there, but like I couldn't see them. I yeah. can't tell. They're all wearing gray. Another thing they brought up after the fact, which I don't remember them saying so much, at least explicitly, was uh, that they knew that they had to stab the Night King in the exact space where he was created uh, with the, no, with the dragon would, glass. That, then that wouldn't make sense, because he was stabbed through the rib. Hey, tell it to uh, David was, Benioff. And he, and, and he uh, was put, the dragon glass was pushed through the clavicle. This is what they said. Katie, well, what, an, what, an, what an amazing detail uh, that nobody cared about and nobody was looking except for. Except for me. And that was not explained in the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, looking back on it, uh, I feel like the library scene was only there to show us that Arya can sneak around. I loved and hated that scene because it stress me out the way that when I was a kid, every computer game or, or like PlayStation game had that, that level where it's like, well, you have to sneak out of a place. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then you can't get past that point in the game. And they, I have four or five games that I never got past because of the sneaky level. Mm -hmm. And it really stressed <laughs> oh. me out. Like, yeah. uh, But I do, I think that that's, that's the only reason that scene was there was so that, when that moment came and people were like, how the hell, where the mm -hmm. hell did she come from? That are like, oh, okay, she's sneaky. Yeah, she's, um, she's a little quiet well, baby. I thought it would have been much Katie, more... if it's any solace to you, um, if you were like, if you were like 10 years older, you would have had to deal with computer games that could only be, like, you could only get past the first level if you had the manual with you. Because <laughs> um, they would have like a password or like some kind of symbol that you needed to like, yeah. Enter to get through the door of the first level um, to prevent piracy. <laughs> and so you could own a game and just have lost the manual 
and never be able to play that game. Yeah. <laughs> but I finally had time. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, actually, also, yeah. real quick, what, what's the, what, what was that thing about red, green, fossey? What's that? Oh, in the books, there are the house, the house, I, I read the first three books, and I really loved this family because it was so dumb, but they're the fossaways, and there are two branches of the fossaways, and there's the red apple fossaways and the green apple fossaways, and the fact that oh, they wow. split and picked the same fruit, but just two different colors, is just very dumb and lovely to me. That's amazing. All right. I love that I'm still learning slash remembering things about this show or yeah. about this these books. All right, David. Uh, this uh, this next this next one is all you. Uh, your newsstand. You 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 picked some some articles that you wanted to bring up. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. This is uh, Extra Extra Read All About It, David's All-American Newsstand. Uh, this is the part of the show where we uh, look at some of those think pieces and maybe discuss them a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the first one that I want to talk about is uh, is an article on Vox.com. Uh, mm-hmm. This is uh, written by Alex Ward with help from uh, – Two military experts, uh, Ryan Grower and Mick Cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ryan Grower is a uh, professor of international affairs at the University of Pittsburgh, and Mick Cook is an Australian combat veteran. Nice. Uh, and basically, um, out the author Alex Ward's question was: um, Was this a good plan? Was anything that happened in, in the last season, in the, I mean, the last episode, a good plan? And uh, I don't want to get into everything, but the the here's the TLDR. No, it was a bad plan <laughs> at almost every level. And depending on how you view it, it was a disastrous plan. Um, but um, and, but the one thing that um, the the one the one little snippet that I'd like to bring up is just uh, Alex asks. Uh, what was up with that Dothraki charge at the beginning? Yeah. Uh, tell me that I'm wrong, please. But it seemed like there was no military justification for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Mick Cook says, I would love to tell you uh, that there was a military justification because I love a good argument. Uh, but it made no sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other guy chimes in and basically says um, it had – it had no place in this kind of fight, yeah. uh, especially because you're dealing with an enemy that ostensibly doesn't feel fear. Uh, and also, uh, there were multiple instances of these of the people in charge of this battle dealing with fights where cavalry was used effectively. So they should know that using a bunch of mobile uh soldiers at the front of your charge against a, you know, a numerically advantageous enemy uh, made no sense. So anyway, that's just a, yeah. an interesting article that basically says this was a, that maybe this was important for a, uh, for a TV show narrative drama, but um, yeah. every aspect of the fight was stupid. Uh, I want to add the, why were the ironborn using bows and arrows to guard brand <laughs> yeah. uh, stupid. Why wasn't Bran uh, why, in a uh, dragon glass cage? 
stupid. Like a, like, <laughs> like a weird, like a Pope mobile where he's yeah. just in a like, like a big jungle gym. <laughs> Uh, but it's like a shark spiked. cage. Yeah, <laughs> a dragon glass shark cage. Um, yeah, I feel like the Dothraki like initial charge, like made no sense. It was dumb stra- strategically, but the visual of all those lights going out, yeah, was, incredible, was really Very powerful, cool. yeah. and it made it feel like, oh, this isn't. We knew this wasn't going to be easy going in, but this is even harder than we thought. Yeah, like. Uh, two things I would add to that are the, cause I, I did see something over the last couple of days. It might've been one of those featurettes. Uh, I'm not sure, but they, the Dothraki may not have necessarily been, uh, told to charge. Uh, again, this is like after the fact kind of stuff and not clear within the episode. Uh, so they may have just like not been waiting for the fight. They're going to, they're going to charge because that's their, their way, I guess. Uh, and then also Daenerys, like they may have had another plan. It seemed like there was another plan uh, between Daenerys and Jon, which they don't go into. Uh, but Daenerys abandons that plan to because she's seeing her Dothraki horde get wiped out. Um, yeah, I don't know what that plan is, um, but I have to assume that it was better. This like this like dumb strategy wiped out an entire group of people yeah like if there are dothraki back in westeros it's like i mean i'm not if they're back near like uh vase dothrak and all that stuff it's like it's like basically what the amish are to us today (laughs) where it's like there's a tiny there's a tiny pocket and they don't use electricity and it's fine but like this dumb 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 strategy just wiped out an entire culture which is like has happened in our history and it's very terrible to watch well i mean just to there i think that there are you know a lot of women and children dothraki uh in back in uh essos uh and i do think that there are dothraki survivors um and because we did see a bunch of people running running back and i have to assume that if jura made it back um uh some of them may have uh may have survived yeah I, and I also mean like wiped out in the sense of like their culture isn't as thriving and sustainable sure. as it was. Like, mm. sure, there's maybe like like Greg, Greg the Dothraki made it back, <laughs> but like, yeah. how, is he, how is he getting back to Essos now? Like, yeah. please no... sign me up for that show, yeah. Greg, the... Greg the Dothraki. Um, My sheep are too hard to shear. Yeah, he's the only one left, and he's just the most annoying. Yeah. Winterfell neighbor. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, David, you had another one? Uh, Yeah, then I have an article. uh, This is on TheVerge.com, and it is written by Shannon Liao. And uh, it's called uh, Game of Thrones Writers Don't Know What to Do with Prophets and Geniuses. Um, and I'll just give you a little clip. Basic, the basic gist of the article is that all these characters who uh, either were very important in setting up the lore and the sense of prophecy on the show, like a Melisandre, or the characters that were behind the scenes pulling all the strings, Littlefinger, Varys, Tyrion, um, all basically uh, were... Uh, subdued or muted or became basically dumb uh, so that the uh, so that the plot could move forward yeah yeah um, and uh, here's a little quote from that is just 
Unfortunately, for the sake of build, building up battles and putting Arya, Sansa, Daenerys, and Jon Snow in the spotlight, the puppet masters pulling the strings have been cut off. The resulting simplicity is a blow to a long-form story that likely wouldn't have commanded this much attention if it had, if it had always been this uninterested in its undercard players. Mm-hmm. Stories as varied as Westworld, Avengers Endgame, and Naruto bring in audiences with the sense of grandmasters playing 4D chess with the world. Exchanging that for easy thrills and sleight-of-hand tricks feels like a quick, boring victory after a long, worthy buildup. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that? I can kind of get behind that. I don't really have much to add. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I, I don't know if I have much to add either. I, I think it's uh, I, I think that, you know, again, check this article out. It's on the verge dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a really well written article that sums up kind of what some fans frustration with the show is. Sure. Um, and again, uh, you know, some people would art- argue that this show always had the potential of collapsing under its own weight yeah. because, you know, the, for the same reason that George R. R. Martin hasn't come out with a book in almost 10 years, mm-hmm. um, which is that so much, so many branches were created right. that it will, it's impossible to keep track of them all. And I think like, yeah. you know, you look at lost, which was a show that was, you know, where they built built up lore without any plan at first. And then yeah. when they had to tie everything together, it got harder. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, as a we're, we're not going to talk about Lost much, um, uh, but I do want to say that the the issue with Lost was, uh, in my opinion, the a network thing uh, and not necessarily a writer thing. Uh, I think that they being forced to create you know that they were it was the studio not the studio system but the network system where it was like so many episodes so many seasons we need more we need more we need more um so they just had to kind of creep keep creating things but um yeah it just became a little too little too much the the main point yeah well they, but they've also they come out and said like hey we did things in in the first season and we had no idea right, for sure what, what the plan was for them because yeah. you know you're not guaranteed a second season yeah sure uh, Katie, anything? Also, Mr. Echo left the show. So <laughs> yeah. They couldn't plan on that. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's it's honestly been kind of tough specifically watching Tyrion just kind of get snuffed a mm-hmm. lot. Because he's such a smart, capable character. And he's yeah. so... He's such an interesting character. And to watch him, like, sh- try to shoot... To hit the basket, and there's just like someone very tall, just like Mm. swatting it away. Mm. You know, basketball Mm -hmm. metaphors. Um, Go Sixers! (laughs) (laughs) Go Sixers! (laughs) Yeah, I I I agree with that. Now that I'm really like, it's almost like kind of putting a name to the feeling that I've been feeling. So that's really interesting. Because I've never yeah. been able to, like, verbalize it in that way of, like, the show doesn't know what to do with these characters now. Yeah. Yeah. David, you got, uh, and then you got one more? Final final article is uh, is written by Albert Bernaco uh, for Deadspin, and it's called Cersei Lannister is Smarter Than All These Morons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, the, the, again, the, the, this whole article, these these three articles, I, I just can't recommend them enough. They're both they're all really interesting and uh, detailed and well written. 
Um, so uh, it, he writes in it, from the beginning, the show has portrayed Cersei as cruel, as a cruel, ruthless, and heavy-handed wielder of power within the royal court, but one defined, continually undermined, and eventually made monstrous by her own short-sightedness, her disinterest in and inability to conceive of the world beyond the most narrow definition of her and her family's immediate interests. Uh, and then she he goes on to just hit some of the major beats of what she does, and then he goes on to say uh, to say this. Uh, about her. When she reneged on her promise to send an army north to support the war against the, the dead, despite virtually every credible named character assembling in King's Landing at great risk for the sole purpose of persuading her, it was too much for even Jamie, who had stood by her th- through and carried out on her behalf all manner of flamboyant, myopic depravity. It was, or the show presented it as, the ultimate e- expression of her attentional blindness. The moment Cersei chose her own immediate sense of security over literally everything. Uh, and he then goes on to say, I'm sorry for such a long quote, but that turns out to have been wrong. And so does every single one of those stern faced doofuses lecturing about how the absolute only thing that matters is every living person uniting in total war against the forces of the dead. Mm-hmm. Cersei was right. Sending her army north to aid in the fight against the army of the dead would have been the height of asininity. The Great War, the war of the living against the dead, the existential fight for the survival of life itself, was fought in one location in one night over the span of a few hours. The Night King waltzed into a trap the leaders of the Army of the Living whipped up in 30 seconds of planning, conducted a couple of hours before the battle began, (laughs) put Bran in the courtyard and surround him by ten or so professional sailors wielding bows and arrows, and Arya Stark leapfrogged a hundred thousand whites and half a dozen distracted white walkers and stabbed the Night King in the belly with a little Valerian steel dagger. And he died. And all the white walkers died. Yeah. And all the whites instantly returned to inanimate death. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so again, he's saying this show built all this, all these things up, built this whole white walker thing up. And then it turns out that the character who has become famous for uh, not recognizing anything for what it is uh, turns out to be right because the showrunners themselves or the, you know, the show itself, you know, uh, solved this problem very quickly and very conveniently. Yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't disagree. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, those uh, All right, cool. those three articles will be linked in the notes section of this uh, this podcast. Uh, so, if you're mm-hmm. curious and you want to check those out and read them in full, uh, then uh, click on the notes portion. Uh, Great. Oh, um, and Mike, can yeah. we do a quick? Uh, can we do a quick uh, locks check in before we do our mini locks? Oh, yes, please mm-hmm. do. Because there is something that needs to be said. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Let's go into the vault. We're going in the vault. I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) Password. Password. (laughs) Password. All right, welcome to the Stone Cold Locks. Um, So we have uh, just a couple locks that uh, we need to talk about. Not many, Mm -hmm. um, but... uh, 
<clears throat> there were two that were definitively uh, stamped out. Mm. Uh, and actually, I'm sorry. Uh, there were there were uh, two that need to stamp be stamped out, and one that needs to be greened because our first Ooh. lock is on the board. Uh, so uh, first one we have is uh, Caitlin Caitlin Corkery mm. predicted. We will have a mostly silent episode, 5% talking. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, longtime listener Matthew Burgess, yeah. uh, the percussionator, mm-hmm. wrote in to say that, uh, uh, first of all, to thank us for defining what diegetic sound is. <laughs> uh, but uh, he, uh, he then goes on to say, I am the nerd, I, I'm the nerd who did the math. I counted just over seven minutes of dialogue in the 82 minute episode, mm. which means that there was, it was 8.5% dialogue. Uh, mm-hmm. So Caitlin was 3.5% off mm. uh, on her. We will have a mostly silent episode yeah. uh, prediction. Did we give uh, a margin so of error? Close. What'd you say? Did we give a margin of error? Um, his margin of error on how much dialogue there was. No, did we give? Are, are we? Are we? Are you about to say that we're going to give it uh, due to a margin of error? No. Okay, go ahead then. <laughs> uh, I, were you? No. No. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, I, I will say that Caitlin came so close to getting this prediction. For sure. Yes. Um, and really, really big props to her for, yeah. for coming yeah. that close. Absolutely. Um, and Rob has a, a prediction that is in major jeopardy, which was he said a dead Stark will be reanimated and fight on the side of the living. <laughs> yeah. uh, which, I mean, if there was an episode for that to happen, it was this last one. For sure. Um, but technically it doesn't, uh, it doesn't go uh, away. Yeah. I mean, or it doesn't go away until the end of the series, that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to bring up one thing real, real quick before you get to the other lock things. Uh, mm-hmm. There was supposed to be, supposedly, I don't know if this is in any of the featurettes and confirmed, but a, some some people are saying uh, that Maester Lewin came back. He was one of the people oh, in, the, in the crypts. I love that for um, him. Uh, there was a white that crawled out of the crypts uh, that was dressed in maester. He dressed exactly like him with chains and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So they're saying that that, that happened. Um, I'm, I don't know. So it's, what? It's so, something I hear. So, <laughs> 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 so what? Who cares? Uh, I just wanted to mention it because it's a neat little detail. Do we um, know if Liana's body ever made it? back to Winterfell? Did her body make it back? I don't know. Because I was thinking... That's a great I honestly thought that, like, because they made it such a big deal of, like, showing this one corpse that was dressed like a woman crawling out of a crypt. Yeah. And Rob was like, maybe it's old Nan. And I was like, I don't know <laughs> if old Nan would be buried in the crypts. But um, I was like... I oh, thought it was old Nan, too. I honestly was But like, I don't know what I base that on. What yeah. it what if it's Leon like what if it was Liana? I think that would be really interesting cuz mm. I'm just trying to I'm also in my head just trying to make force connections yeah, sure. where connections might not be, but Yeah. I'm sorry, David. Back to was, locks. Yeah, back to back to your locks. But one of these locks came true and I'm and seeing it now, I'm like shocked that we gave it the points that we gave it. <laughs> but nevertheless, it happened. 
with the first correct lock of the year, Mike Marbacks, Jorah will die saving Danny. Yeah. Gets him 18 points. You can put it on the board. So congratulations, Mike. I mean, I'm going to go back and listen to make sure that there wasn't something else oh, there. Come on. No, don't go back and listen to anything. Why would you do that? <laughs> uh, no, I won't. You won't. You got that. You got that for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, it, some, uh, if we were splitting hairs, Jorah died protecting Danny. Um, not so much save. Eh, I guess he uh, saved her. Okay. Let's, let's everybody calm down. Um, <laughs> no, you got the points. <laughs> right. uh, to be, not, I was going to say to be fair, but like, I just want to be tra- fully transparent here. I think these are my first points in all the years that we've been doing this, uh, doing this system. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, so, I agree. Uh, I also said, uh, I came close. I said that Melisandre would return during the battle, uh, something like that, but that she would arrive with other red priests, which also... Yeah, you, like would very been, Gandalf. Yeah, would have been very cool. Um, yeah, that, it, yeah, that... that. That one actually, I was going to say, is another one that is redded out now. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, she, she will not be. She's done. That would have been cool. Yeah. Coming, yeah. like, yeah. How cool would that be? Come yeah. on. Uh, anywho. Uh, David, while we're in the vault, do we want to do some mini locks? Sure. Uh, I, I'd like to offer one mini lock. What do you got? Uh, I think... I think Arya will kill Daenerys. Ooh, I will second that lock if that's a thing. Does Danny have green eyes? I think she's, no, I mean, in the book she, she has sucks, purple though. eyes. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't have green eyes, but she sucks. So like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> green apples. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's being a real green apple. What makes you uh, say that, David? <laughs> I've just been thinking about the show and about what happens, and... Uh, okay. What I, I, guess, I, I don't know. I, I was guess I was thinking like you know. So we know that you know we know that Sansa cares about the North, and we know that uh, we know that John is probably going to do something stupid and honorable. Sure. Mm. Uh, in regards to his own claim, both to the North and to the uh, the Iron Throne in general. Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to be the responsibility of the Stark sisters to protect this idiot from himself. Yeah. And oh yeah, because they're garbage that, together. Like Danny and Danny and John are pretty. They're pretty bad together. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah, and so I wonder if uh, if Sansa and Arya will come to the conclusion that. Uh, and maybe it's maybe it's done because they're thinking of John or maybe it's just done because they're like the North is not bowing again or is not bending the knee again. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if they come to the conclusion, why do we need Daenerys Targaryen? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're already kind of chugging along on that train. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's my uh, mini lock. OK. Uh, I, it's not necessarily for the next episode, but that's right, my sure. my second half lock. Yeah. Um, Katie? Um, I think this is pretty 
far out there, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think that all about this plate. episode, I think that in the near future, Sam's going to start planting more seeds of rebellion against Danny because of his dad and his brother. Like, he told John that he's a Targaryen, and mm-hmm. that has not really phased either of them. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's... And also, like, this was the first battle where John completely abandoned Sam in the fight. It was just like, mm-hmm. fuck it, sorry. Um, yeah. So I think that he, for, like, the good of the realm, might be... I think he's going to start planting seeds to kind of turn everyone against her. Him and Varys have a little side chat. Oh, I love that. I've watched that show. That's, I mean, that's Varys. Everything's Too mean for friends. the realm. At the good of the realm. Yeah. I serve the realm. Realm, realm, realm. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can, I can see that. Or he's just like at the, in the kind of Winterfell cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Like, um, can you so, believe? Yeah. Has anybody heard any good stories lately? Um, Although he's got some I've balls got on him after his performance in last night's ep- or this past episode. Mm-hmm. If he starts being like, oh, you know, Danny's no good. Because <laughs> she did a hell of a lot more than he did in that episode. But she brought around the dragon. She had well, she also fought back to back um uh with with Jura for a bit, but Sam Sam had some kills. He had a body count. I, I would say that I think it is personally I think it's dumb to completely invalidate a character based on the fact that he didn't stab as good. <laughs> yeah. Like Yeah. Like that's not I'm, I'm, he's not here. We all know that Sam's not here for that. Like mm-hmm. we're not I'm not inter- we're not interested in Sam because he's like John that he's a good fighter. He's yeah. he's I'm not different. I'm not saying from a from an outside perspective. I'm saying do you think in the aftermath of the Battle of Winterfell uh people are going to be inclined to listen to the guy who spent most of the fight being picked up by other people? I mean, I just <laughs> I mean it just it, this feels like a time where macho voices are going to prevail. Yeah, sure. I think I think he might use his like sweet sweet softness to plant the seeds in the right macho v- brains. That Samwell sweet softness. <laughs> so that sweet, soft sweet Sam. softness. Uh, for me, uh, I, mine is related to the the upcoming battle, uh, and we we chatted a little bit about this and the. The Northern Army, the coalition mm-hmm. uh, of the willing to defeat the uh, the exis- existential threat of the White Walkers, um, has been decimated. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, more or less. Yeah. Uh, there, there are probably a couple thousand left. I would, I would assume, but not nearly enough to fully defeat and take on the um, Lannister Army, the Gold Company, and whatever else she has assembled, and other bannermen and whatnot. Um, so and the Greyjoys and 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 yeah, the Iron, the Iron, Iron Fleet. Fleet. Yeah. Um, so who's out there? Uh, the one Tullis. thought is the the faceless men that we do see. This is not necessarily my mini lock, but that we see Jock and Hagar come to Arya's aid uh, in some way, uh, or the aid of the the North, uh, because there is a Bravosi connection there as well. Um, but my lock is somebody that we have not seen in a couple seasons now, Dario Naharis. Uh, in Marine. That's not uh, what I thought you were going to say. I think that we may see Daria Naharis and uh, the Second Sons, or what's left of the Second Sons, and possibly uh, Marine Faithful 
uh, arrive to help out. And I will further lock, since we are not giving points to this, that they arrive with elephants. Oh, there's a real elephant drought <laughs> yeah. happening. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. I think we may see them arrive with elephants. I just love that in a lot of my like favorite fantasy works that they're just like, and here are the elephants. <laughs> yeah, oliphants. Yeah, the oliphants um, and stuff. I was just like, okay, I guess there's elephants now. Uh, any thoughts on that? No? Um, I thought that you were going to say that the blackfish was going to come. He's dead. Is he dead? Is the blackfish yeah, dead? Yeah, he had an off-screen death. Blackfish is dead. Oh, well, I'm just dumb then. Nah. But that, no, 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 no. But it was it was a good call because uh, if you've listened to this podcast over the last four years, <laughs> you know that uh, Mike held on to the blackfish no, the way that wasn't a, me. Uh, a child holds on to their baby blackfish. That wasn't me. That was Rob. David. That's my husband you're talking about, yeah. David. And he's a baby. <laughs> he's um, my husband, baby. And I love him. Yeah. No, I didn't. Uh, I, I mean, I probably brought him up a couple times, but I wasn't the one that was like like that. Rob. Oh, no, your, your thing was Lady Stoneheart. Yes. My, I was all about Lady Stoneheart. <gasps> if we were really... going to see her, it would have been the other night. That sucks. Because Lady Stoneheart's so cool. And the fact that they just like didn't even do anything with her there's just a bunch of beans i have one final question before we move on to some sweet tweets and then wrap this up uh and that is where does this battle take place uh i have my thoughts uh like is it going to be at king's landing are we going to are we going to be fighting through the city oh that would be really interesting because my thought is that the north is marching south the south is marching north and we meet at the Trident. I was just going to say that because then it would full come full circle with the Roberts Rebellion because mm-hmm. that was all fought at the Trident. Yeah. Uh, I think there's probably still going to be some fighting at King's Landing mm-hmm. uh, because Cersei's not going to be coming in the battle. So there's going to be some things going on there and probably an army of people protecting her. But I think the bulk of the battle could take place at the Trident, which would also allow, because there's you know rivers, um, I don't know how big they are, if they allow ships to kind of go down them at all. Um, just real gentle fairies. Yeah, they're yeah, just like pad- just nice paddle boats. <laughs> yeah, um, but it could allow for the passage of um, some smaller ships, at mm-hmm. least, uh, which would allow uh, Yara to come do some things. Euron, uh, that could be a fun. Oh, Yara very... versus. Yeah, um, which could also just happen at King's Landing, of course, off the yeah. shore of King's Landing. But if that's all the fleet is doing there, did they still have the dragon shore, gun? They still have the dragon gun, the right? The scorpion. Yeah. Um, yeah, they probably salvaged it. Okay. Oh, no. the uh, that was, Or is that done? That was toasted by Drogon. Cool. Um, but I'm sure... Ky- I mean, that's the other thing. Is like, what's well, Kyburn's Ky- got something. Yeah, he's got something. Ugh. What's he cooking up? Kyburn's uh, got something. Uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Ruth, um, a friend of the podcast, uh, said that what he thinks is going to happen is that we will have a battle of champions... Uh, and it will be the Hound in the Mountain. Oh, yeah. And that the Hound will win, but Cersei is like, no, I do not accept this. Mm -hmm. And then we have war. Um, I I see it more playing out in in an open field, very very large area, uh, where we're just kind of seeing them to find each other in the field of battle, Um, and not so much a highlight thing. But that's how I would do it, and I feel like, these creators right now are probably going to do something a little bit more theatrical than 
They're really into claustrophobia right now. Of like, we gotta cram a lot of action into this very small space. And I think maybe the Clegane brothers hacking away at each other, like, through the street through flea bottom or something would yeah they're like oh wouldn't that be dynamic <laughs> killing innocents as they do yeah, it's um, just it's just a just a bunch of orphans like eating porridge and they just cut through them yeah i don't know david any thoughts um you know it would to me it would be so stupid for uh for for the North to march South uh, on the, uh, on King's landing during winter. I mean, the same reason why it was stupid for the Dothraki to charge the dead. Sure. Um, If you like, uh, if you have the advantage of being from the North and understanding what it means to fight a battle in the North, look, Stannis is one of the greatest military commanders uh, in the Game of Thrones, and he basically got clowned by a blizzard. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, yeah. And so, so for them to for uh, for the North to do anything but that uh, seems seems nuts. But again, we've 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 been shown that nobody necess- nobody is behaving rationally right now. Yeah, I also, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Katie. Uh, just. Question, because now that the Night King is uh, dead, is winter happening in the same degree as it would have if he was uh, 30, flirty, and thriving, <laughs> essentially? like That's um, been a big topic of discussion on the message boards. Um, yeah. I think the answer is we don't know, but probably... Yeah. Like, do you think that this is that that even irregardless whether the Night King is alive or dead, that the long night is like the long winter is going to happen, or is it because he was just like, I'm here, that it was as well, going I, to be as bad as it was? Yeah. To me, it's like whether it's there, whether it's there or not, it's like, look, it was dumb for Germany to march to Russia, right? So, like, why would King's Landing try to march on Winterfell? Yeah. Either way, I think right. it's dumb to go to Winterfell. Yeah. Um, but I, I do, I do wonder if the the long night is going to continue to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like if someone doesn't march somewhere, then it feels like the next three episodes are going to be like two kids yelling at each other from across the street, and yeah. that's not interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the. Word is going to get around that the army has been decimated up north and now is the time to strike. Yeah. Um, I think that the north is going to feel very brazen uh, by the wind and any other arrivals that may come, uh, uh, assistance that may arrive there uh, that kind of gives them even more hope. Uh, So they're going to be riding that high. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's going to be something that causes them to feel the need to, um, cause we're not going to have another battle at Winterfell. No. Um, I don't know. So I'd like to see it at the, at the Trident, uh, along with some action at King's Landing. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. It's tough. It's tough because you also want, or one also wonders what, uh, you know, where is, where is there left to be a battle that has some kind of meaning to us, the audience? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, you know, there's been a battle at King's Landing before. There have been now two battles at Winterfell. Uh, you know, is it just a King's Landing redux? Is it a mm-hmm. Winterfell redux? You know, the Trident is like awesome because it has all this like history and lore behind it. Yeah. Um, but visually, I think we, we experience no nostalgia for watching that, which mm-hmm. is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting what happens. Yeah. Which is uh, which is all I have to say. All right. Uh, David, we got some sweet tweets? Yeah, we got a couple. Sweet tweets. (laughs) Uh, So uh, the first one, uh, first one comes from at Astead Wesley, who writes, Sansa Hive real quiet tonight. Our girl killed the Night King while your queen was leading children's church in the crypt. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. That sucks. Uh, You can tell him I said that. That sucks. (laughs) Oh, listen, Team Arya was out there having fun. Mm. And, uh, and they, and they deserved it because Arya, um, Arya's stock, I think, had been dropping the last three seasons. So those who stuck with her. Uh, deserve a win. Yeah, well, she spent oh, yeah. a summer doing theater. Um, you know, summer stock. She got a little soft. Yeah, she was doing summer stock. Yeah, got a little soft. Um, but now yeah. she's uh, she's back. I, I I don't agree with that. Like Sansa was where she was. Like she couldn't have been out in the battlefield. She's not like Leon, Lyanna Mormont. She would have been useless. So, yeah. and they say as much. Like that's yeah. why we're here because we will just be in the way. Uh, David, sweet tweet. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm sorry that the first tweet was. Uh... <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't very sweet, David. <laughs> it was a mean tweet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, I'll make sure that these next two. Uh, actually, I, I shouldn't even say this next one. Say it. <laughs> Just say it, so I can tell them. It uh, so, uh, we will so uh, this one is uh, a tweet by uh, Bitch Anse, aka at Pash Away. Okay. Uh, responding to Forrest Rump. Forrest Rump writes, my main question is, what the fuck did Bran see that whole time? Yeah. To which Beyonce replies, Bran was watching Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, and this is where a disclaimer, uh, Bran was not watching Endgame because Endgame wasn't released in Westeros. So uh, that tweet's also wrong. Yeah. And you're on punishment, Beyonce. Oh. Uh, so two bad tweets. Um, here's a third bad one. Uh, this one, this one, this one by Hollywood Wody, AKA at push up sensei, uh, who writes, uh, night King been trying to get shit back up to speed for 8,000 years just to get stabbed in the parking lot of a Raiders game. Uh, That's good. Uh, so, uh, thank you all for your tweets. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. they were all great. Um, keep tweeting, keep tweeting words, you know, uh, don't just tweet, don't just tweet pictures, tweet words, because that's the only way you get on these sweet tweets. Thank you, David. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess we're at the, uh, the plugs portion. David, you got anything coming up? Uh, nothing coming up, but if you don't mind, I'll plug an appearance on a different podcast. Sure. 
Uh, yeah, check me out on and check out this podcast in general, uh, College Humor's Erotic Book Club podcast, yes. which is hosted by former member of the SRM crew. I mean, member emeritus, rather, yeah. uh, Jessica Ross. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's cool. Jessica Ross and Rika Shankar. Uh, every uh, week they uh, bring on a couple guests and they read some fan fiction so or some rather um, some erotic fiction and nice. discuss it. It can um, also I was prob- lucky. It can also probably so, be fan fiction. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah a lot of it while. is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I was brought on uh, to discuss some gritty slash Philly fanatic fan fiction. Nice. Um, and in the podcast, I even uh, I wrote some of my own. Uh, erotic fan fiction uh, for the for fanatic you. and gritty. So uh, it's a super, it's a great podcast in general. Um, you can check that out um, on uh, on collegehumor.com. You can check it out on uh, Apple iTunes and all that stuff. Uh, and I believe the uh, College Humor, um, uh, the like group is called uh, Dropout. So please check that out. Great. Mm, cool. Thank you, David. Katie? Um, I don't have anything coming up, but if you want to see me cry at my best friend's wedding this weekend, meet me in LBI on the 4th. <laughs> it's going to be a sight. Thank you, Katie. Uh, this is Mike. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Mike Marbach, uh, and you can hear us talk about Killing Eve on Eavesdropping, uh, which is a super fun podcast and a great show, so check that out. Uh I will link it in the notes portion of this. Uh, and also check out phillyimprovtheater.com for information on shows and classes, including the Seltzer Hour, which runs Mondays throughout May at 9 p.m., which features me and invited friends uh, improvising, uh, doing some fun um, fun scenes, good times. Uh, check that out if you are in the Philadelphia area. Uh, we will be back on Sunday night uh, with a new episode covering episode four, uh, whose title we still don't know because HBO does not release them until like 10 minutes into the episode. Uh, But it's episode four, and there will only be two more left after that. Uh, Thank you, Katie, for being here. Uh, Thank you, David, for being here, uh, for phoning it in. Uh, And thank you all for listening. Bye. Hey, Mike, thanks for 100, man. Thank you for yeah. 100. Bye. Yeah, and you know what? Here's to 100 more. <laughs> yes. Here's to 100 more goodbyes. Bye. <laughs> what is dead may never die. Goodbye. <laughs>